and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Katie. I'm Alan. And we're still married. You know, we're wrapping up the last of our six-week course of our mar- workshop on a tightrope. Yes, we are. It's been a fun ride. So we have one more, just that master class on sex and intimacy with this first initial group. And it's been great getting to know everybody. It has been. And we've gotten a lot of really, really positive feedback. I think one of my favorite quotes I've heard thus far is, we accomplished what... Yeah, how did they say it? They said... We accomplished what we would have... No. This six weeks has pushed us forward six months. Yes. Yes. I thought thought that was a nice way of telling us how much they enjoyed and how helpful the course was. And, you know, we had a lot of people reach out to us after it began, and we had to turn people away because not only did we fill it at 20 couples, but we allowed four extra couples to come in. And right there in that first that first initial week. Yeah. Right. And, and then we had to turn people away after that. So we have decided to do a pre-registration for our next course, and we've decided to do it uh, starting July 28th. Now, the course is open through Eventbrite today, as of right now. So you can go to Eventbrite and you can search Workshop on a Tightrope. It'll say July 2020. And Alan, what do, you, what do they get with the course if they pre-register? Two solid stainless steel knives that were guaranteed to never dull. No, so if you, regist- <laughs> if you pre-register now, uh, we're taking $30 off um the, the course fee, which is indicative there in the Eventbrite post. And then also we're including that bonus flourish masterclass on sex and intimacy. So the second course will be the same curriculum as the first with Natasha Helfer Parker leading the charge as the therapist that we're partnering with. And man, we've learned so much and we're just lucky we get to be a part of the course again and, and just keep learning. We're going to have the perfect marriage by the end of this, Katie. Mm. No problems whatsoever. Or we'll be rehashing a lot of stuff. <laughs> We're going to have the same fights over and over again. <laughs> no, it's been it's been great. So, uh, yeah, go to eventbrite.com and search for Workshop on a Tightrope to check out that course. And you'll hear us talking a little bit more about that. The space is going to fill up fast because it did last time. And especially now with, with people still... Uh, locked down in many areas, even though that uh, the the country is opening up in the midst of COVID nineteen, uh, there are still plenty of people staying at home and not traveling around. So this this fits that that description quite well because you can enjoy from the comfort of your desk. Well, and after the feedback we received from our first group, which was positive, and we asked them to give us feedback as far as things we could improve, we've tweaked the course just a little bit. So we will be meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. The course, and that's when we will be doing the presentation of the course material. It'll run 90 minutes long. And then immediately following that, we will give you your tightrope in action. That's your exercise for the week. That's your exercise for your week. Put into practice. exactly what you just learned from Natasha there on that on that uh, lecture presentation right and then on Sunday we'll come together and we will do a QA. and a again it'll be 90 minutes long 8 p.m mountain standard time I know a lot of our couples really uh, enjoyed the fact that if they were on the east coast some of them would stay up super late they were troopers but some of them would just watch the next day with their spouse so you have that option we record all of our sessions that are live and you can watch them at any time 
you know, I have been super impressed by this first class right out of the gate. They have been um, just great to work with. And I think one of the predominating thoughts and uh, comments that we've been given is it is so helpful for them to be in a group mm-hmm. setting uh, where they can see how other people are reacting, what other people are doing. It allows for more ideas, um, different ways of doing things, and as well as better questions, things you wouldn't have thought of. And so I think that having the group setting is just so ideal so that you can connect with other people in the group. And our first group, they've already decided to have monthly Zoom meetings together to just talk about what's going on because I feel like there was a bond there. They got to know each other really well. So I hope you just take advantage of this and sign up. We don't want to turn people away. And there's an incentive to just registering early. You get that $30 off and then you get the bonus masterclass of Flourish. On sex and intimacy. (laughs) That was not awkward at all. You get a lot of awkward comments throughout this six-week course too. By Alan. All of them from me. Oh. So thank you. Uh, Two things. Actually, no, we can get on to the topic of today. So in this episode, we sat down with three other couples to discuss their experience with the Word of Wisdom. Great discussion, a lot of fun. And as we recorded it, Katie and I thought, man, this is such a big topic. When we posted in our Facebook group on, hey, we're finally going to tackle the Word of Wisdom officially, there's a few episodes where we mentioned some things. But we wanted to make sure we were super thoughtful. So this is the first of a three-part series on the Word of Wisdom, this panel group discussion. What is the second episode? So the second episode will be Alan and I. We will talk about our own personal struggle with Word of Wisdom. We'll go and into victories. and we'll go into a lot of detail. We usually don't get into detail about uh, family dynamics and how that affects us. And I think that that's what we'll get into. So we'll talk more in depth about our own experience. And then the final piece. I'm going to commit us to like a six tips with the Word of Wisdom. That would be good. For uh, mixed faith marriage. Yeah. And then, yeah, the last, we're very excited to uh, end it all, part three of three, will be sitting down with a therapist that specializes in addiction and also is in the LDS culture. So he understands uh, LDS uh, doctrine and culture and history and all that fun stuff. So it's just a win-win-win. James Ott. James Ott. We're sitting down with him uh, next Tuesday, June 2nd. So... Uh, that interview part three will likely come out at the end of next week. So in the next seven days or so from today, May 28th, all three episodes will be out if I'm able to edit that quickly. (laughs) You will. So hopefully you'll enjoy the next three-part series in um, Word of Wisdom. This is a huge topic. It, I would say, is... Besides maybe garments, this is one of the most talked about things in in a marriage. Um, Lifestyle changes are difficult to navigate and negotiate. So we will be talking about how we've all been able to do that. And just, man, this feels just like a, you know, when you do home church, at least for, for us, we go through our schedule. Like this is just us going through our schedule with everybody before we get to the <laughs> Sunday school lesson. Uh, the, after that, our next little episode is going to be about our daughter's baptism 
who has turned eight, she has actually said that she will come onto the podcast so that we can interview her and talk to her. That's an interesting thing. And I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of couples have a very big interest because of their own little ones that are seven turning eight in how to handle baptism. So having her on and talking with her about things and just keeping you all apprised of how that unfolds is going to be something a little bit interesting, I think. Spoiler, Zara doesn't want anyone but her dad to do it. (laughs) She said, I don't want to be baptized unless dad does it. And I went, heck yeah, that's my girl. She likes me. So that is just a list of what's coming up. We've been working hard to bring all these episodes to you. We have been working hard on getting a second class together for those of you who have emailed us and called us and texted us and said we would like another class. So um, as far as we know, it'll probably be the last one of this year. So July 28th, um, unless there's something else happens, we will plan on doing it then. But go on to Eventbrite and register. And if you have any questions, uh, please email us. We'll be putting out just information about people's feedback so that you can read it. You know, without even advertising anything, (laughs) I know that there have been members of our Facebook group who are in our first class that have gone on to talk about how amazing and helpful it's been to their marriage just within our Facebook group. So, And 90% of, well, I would say 60% of the work is done by the couples. Yes. 35% of the work is done by Natasha and 5% of the work is done by us. You think we deserve five, that? A little more than 5%. 6.5%. <laughs> Thank you uh, for bearing with us during this 10 minutes of, of announcements. We will throw it over to the panel now of which we are one-fourth of. So we hope you enjoyed part one of Word of Wisdom. Today is the day, Katie. We're doing it. The Word of Wisdom. Oh, dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. dun. You went up and I went down. I that did. Was perfect. That, that was, it was, was great. That was wonderful. <laughs> but here's the deal, everybody. There's no chance, no chance that we could do this solo because there's so many different experiences that couples can have when it comes to the word of wisdom. Some things are a problem. Other things aren't a problem. The way that people handle it are different uh, with this thing and with that thing. And is there alcohol in the house? Is there not alcohol in the house? Uh, Am I supposed to ask for for permission when I'm outside of that? There's people handle this topic in so many different ways that we wanted to have three rock star, all-star couples join us for this episode to talk about their stories and how they've handled this topic So I think it would be awesome to welcome our three couples to the show. Let's start with uh, Rachel and Brett Cooper, who have been on the podcast before. Thank you so much for joining us again. Just in case people haven't listened to your episode, why don't you introduce yourselves once more? I'm Rachel. And I'm Brett. I am the believing spouse. And I'm the uh, spouse that's had a faith transition, we'll call it. (laughs) Sure thing. And we live in South Carolina with our four-year-old and two-year-old, soon-to-be three-year-old and 16-year-old, no, (laughs) five-year-old, but totally that. And we have been mixed faith for about four years. Oh, seasoned experts. That's right. Four years as an attorney. That's 
I think more than dog years. That's over 28 years <laughs> in, in real It feels like it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Welcome very much. Thanks. We're looking forward to, to hearing you on this topic. Uh, let's throw it over to uh, Jessica and Ryan out in Arkansas. I spoiled it. I said where you guys were, but go ahead. <laughs> introduce yourselves. Oh, no, that's fine. We're, we're, almost, we're almost in Oklahoma and almost in Missouri, so way up in the corner. Ah. But, uh, I guess I'm the uh, the believing members still, and yeah. So I'm the I'm the changer transitioner. I don't know. I don't I don't labels and me don't always mix. But um, yeah, I probably have been in process for about ten years. Picked up speed sort of in the last two years with some interesting situations with our kids. Really, in the last year is probably when uh, when I made some changes. So, and our kids are almost 18, just turned 16, 11 and five. Awesome. Great. We're happy to have some uh, older kids, some teenagers, which can certainly come into play yes. uh, on this, on this topic. So, and it's the Magnuson. So thank you very much, Jessica and Ryan for, for joining us today and yeah, throwing it much further away than South Carolina and Arkansas <laughs> over to Astrid and Aaron why don't you introduce yourselves and I will let you guys reveal just with your accents. Where are you from? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Aaron. And I'm Astrid. And we're from New Zealand. I love it. In the bottom of the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have uh, been married for almost nine years now. Um, we've got three children, almost six, almost four and one and a half. Um, I'm the uh, I'm I'm the active member, and I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. <laughs> and uh, transition for about six months now. All right, very fresh, very fresh. Coopers, Hollands, and Magnusons, uh, and Katie and Alan. Thanks for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> we're, Anytime. We're, welcome, we're, Katie and Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. Now, before we get started, uh, this doesn't make much sense to those that aren't on the call, but or video. That was actually Diet Dr. Pepper. But I do have, I own one shot glass, and it is a Disneyland shot glass that I bought at Disneyland. And I'm going to pour my Dr. Pepper into, oh, shoot, it's too fizzy. Okay, I spilled. All right, let's move on. Okay, I will take over from here because <laughs> I have to slurp this up off of my desk. Alan's doing a little performance here while we're trying to do word okay. of wisdom. Okay. okay. We're just looking to have some fun. We're All just right. to have some fun. Okay, so let's, we're going to ask some questions and we've prepped our awesome couples ahead of time to think about these and give us their experiences and their best answers. So, um, we are super grateful and excited to have you on and have your perspectives also. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, the first question we wanted to throw out there was, what was the reason you decided to change some of your behavior surrounding the word of wisdom? So Astrid, if we could go to you first, and then we'll go to Jessica. Okay, cool. So I changed my beliefs um, and behaviors around the word of wisdom simply because I'd always found it to be kind of an odd rule and one that was very open to interpretation <laughs> and I didn't see any need to hold on to that anymore. So I changed it because I wanted to and I didn't see a reason not to. Yeah. I mean, that's as simple as it gets, right? Yeah. <laughs> and also yeah. there was 
really tasty things that I wanted to try. Jessica, was that the same reason for you? Yeah, kind of similar. Like I never found it odd. I always thought it was kind of like cool that we were different in that way. I was raised in the South, not in Utah. So I was around people who drank sweet tea, like it was water. And so I was never able to see those things as necessarily moral wrongs, unless you were LDS and believed this way. So as soon as I really admitted to myself that I no longer believed, I recognized that if I didn't believe in the authority that established this rule, I was no longer bound by it. And suddenly I realized that I had some choices to make, which was scary and weird and unsettling. But, um, there was just a day when I thought, oh, I'm going to try some things. So I did. Yeah. You know, I think like Alan's family lives in Georgia and sweet tea is, it's like part of the culture. It's oh, everywhere. Sure. And, and it's, it's like, it's more of like a community. Oh, come have a seat. You know, let's sit on the porch and let's drink some sweet tea. So I can, I mean, I can imagine for those reasons too, like, I mean, it's, there's a lot of, I don't know, cultural things that go along with sweet tea or alcohol. You know, you do things just because you're with other people and it's nice and pleasant. So I totally get that. Yeah. I think when you talk to, I remember talking to missionaries that served in Argentina, for example, and mate was a big thing there. And, and I think they even in in certain places, oh yeah, that's right, Brett, Um, (laughs) mate. So I, Brett in, in Argentina, did they is that against the word of wisdom or did they say like, okay, this is too much. You guys can drink mate. No, no it, it, it's like specifically talked about the men, amongst the members that it's not against the word of wisdom. <laughs> I think they would lose every member in Argentina. If, if they did that, they would lose them. Oh, yeah, that's so as funny. much as the South is into sweet tea and, and that they're even more into mate. It, like, uh, if we were Argentines down there, we would be drinking mate doing this discussion right now. Right. Like, that's just the way it's done. If we want, if we want to sit down and talk, we're going to be drinking mate. You're going to drink mate. Is there something that's equivalent to that in New Zealand? Uh, it, it's more the islands. Fiji and Tonga are very into their kava. Kava, yeah. yeah. Really. Here, here's a question that I want to pose. Um, because this is about, we're on the question, decided to change some of our behaviors around word of wisdom. Did, did anyone uh, read DNC 89 and have that influence their decision to change behaviors? That uh, was big for me, honestly. I, I know for me, it didn't change my behavior at the time, but I noticed on the mission, the actual section DNC 89, uh, isn't as specific and cut and dry as we were t- told to, to teach. You know, you, uh, you can be a believing member and still say, well, that's fine. I, I believe in modern prophecy and I believe in, in, in modern prophets. And that's a totally legitimate uh, way to interpret it. But uh, for some people, they may read that and say, wait a second, this says in the scriptures, it's, it's not so cut and dry as what I've been told. So I, I don't know. I'm just posing the question to y'all. Has that been a factor in your decision to uh, change your behavior around the word wisdom? It wasn't for me, but I, I do know of people who, who were able to like way, way, way nuance their belief or following of that after having read it and been like, Oh, okay, cool. Make my own wine. Or party <laughs> <Whatever>. drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, if you make your own wine or make sure your beer has barley in it, you're you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Brett, one thing I'm thinking is part of the I mean not part the the major source of my crisis was church history. And a big part of that, actually the number one part of that was how things church history, how things changed over time and evolved over time. And I had a I had a big without getting too specific I had a big problem with a lot of the changes that had happened over time. And it was very, Word of Wisdom fits into that. Uh, in fact, when we were originally planning this episode, we planned on talking about some of those changes and decided not to go that path. But I think that that can be part of it too. Maybe the DNC isn't a big part of your journey um, if the changes over time aren't, aren't a big reason for your crisis. It was a huge reason for my crisis. I'll be honest, the, when they came out with the rule um, in, what was it, July of last year that uh, green tea wasn't, was included, honestly, I like dropped the mic. I was like, you know what? <laughs> and this is Rachel talking now. I was just like, you know, I, at this point, how much more can you, how much more can you tell me to do? Like, you know, it, it's, all of this time, green tea, you had, like, I actually switched um, from soda. I was drinking, like, a two liter of Mountain Dew a day, and I switched from that to one cup of green tea a day, and I felt amazing. Like, it was, like, life-changing how much my mind was clear and how much better I felt. I'm just, like, I'm sitting here, like, how could that be something that is going to control my life? you know? And so as soon as I kind of that clicked, then I went back to the word of wisdom and DNC and I read it and did a little bit more historic. I don't, I haven't done a lot of the historical research as far as all the other stuff, but the word of wisdom I did because I've always had an issue with the word of wisdom. So when that came up, I was just like, I, I've got to look into this more. And that's kind of when, that's when I nuanced myself. Like Jessica said, that's when I nuanced myself. Yeah. The word of yeah. It was like a night and day paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say as the, as the believing member of this, just cause it's on the, on the, on the, we're on this topic. I, I, you know, uh, when Jessica started making the changes, um, you know, I started, you know, vicariously or listening along with her, some of the, the history of all the word of wisdom and was surprised by some of the things you, you know, that were happening. And essentially I've learned that, um, I guess for me is it's not so much about, because I think we've developed a culture where it's like, it's like your, it's your gateway to heaven. I mean, I feel like that's like, we're, we're, we hold on to it so tightly that we feel like we're doing some horrible sin. And I don't think it's really that anymore. It's like, are we just going to be obedient or not obedient? And, and that, that's just the principle now. It's, it's not so much about, is this healthy or not healthy? But. Yeah, no, Ryan, thank you. And Ryan, as you're, as you're talking there, and I'd love to hear from you, uh, Aaron, as well, what was it like for you? And talk a little bit about the conversations maybe that you had, but when, when Jessica and Astrid, again, I'm kind of lumping you both in like you were sitting next to each other when these conversations <laughs> happened, but we'll start with you, Ryan. When Jessica, just, when it became clear that she was going to be changing some of her behaviors when it comes to the word of wisdom, what was that like for you? I know you just partially answered that question, but any, anything else of, was it so difficult? Did you feel like you needed to talk to um, a bishop or someone that would understand the difficulty you were having with that? No. Um, so, and so I was sad, right? Because um, it, it is a separation between the things that she wants to do and the things that I want to do. And it's, 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 you know, it's serious. 
but I, I, when she was talking to me about it, I just, I decided, you know, that I could either do two things. I could, you know, let this become a separation between the two of us. And I've seen where couples did that and they ended up being divorced. So I said, or I could just take the journey with her. I don't have to take part in all these things, but I could be holding her hand going along with her. And, you know, I married her. Right. And, and so that, I, that was the decision I made going along with it. Um, but it, originally I was sad. Um, and, uh, I felt good about how I was like handling everything, but it was interesting because, um, and she shared this, um, well, she hasn't shared it here, but, um, like there were times when she would, uh, she was just planning to go out to dinner. And, and I guess I was hoping that she would like, like when she was like enjoying alcohol for the first time, I would be there with her, you know, kind of that thing. And so she went out to with her friends and one of them is nuanced and, um, as well. And, um, they ended up drinking that night and I felt like, honestly, if I was like, I got tricked into babysitting the kids so they could go and have a party out at the local. <laughs> that's called parenting. <clears throat> yeah. No, I'm, I know that I'm not, not going there, but that's not, that's what that felt like. That's it was a wrong like, yeah. thought, but that was my, that was the, um, that, that was my, uh, internal mental decision. <laughs> right. And, um, and, and there was a, and so, but I felt like, okay, we recovered from this. We talked about it, got through it. And then I remember we were at a family function and, uh, she, um, we know somebody who really needs to use, um, marijuana to, in order to control his, uh, mood stabilization and his depression. Um, he can't actually do the normal drugs. And so he uses this as a substitute and, uh, he had allowed Jessica to have, um, you know, like partake of it. And we had this family function. It was, it was at Thanksgiving. So it's like a big family function. <laughs> and I'm sitting there on the couch and I see him hand her something and she take it. And I, I'm mentally like, I flipped out. And I, I'm, and I'm saying this admitting like I had already like been for, like, I felt like we were in a great place. I was accepting to all these things. But I still had this, this moment. I had to go and I walked barefoot for miles down the road away from the family because I just, I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, so what's funny is that we had had, like, a day-long conversation about marijuana on the way because we knew this person was going to be there, and he makes his own edibles, and he's really excited about sharing. Never tried anything. Um, I took, like, the tiniest nibble, but, like, I thought we were cool about it, and it just came up, and it happened. So at some point, like, no matter how cool you are on things, there's a visceral reaction for people. Like, even if you think you're there and, and everything's fine, like, you know, you have a reaction and then because we love and respect each other, we, it's fine later. But yeah, that was a fun Yeah. Time. Thank you for sharing that very real and vulnerable story. Uh, so Ryan. Also like, who says partake of? You big Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mormons. Mormons do. That's Mormons right. Do. That's right. That's that's right. My being. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> So Ryan, I, I really like, and Jessica, you just kind of said it at the end there too, but I, I loved how you said, I was sad, but I married her. I could let this be a, and I'm now I'm paraphrasing heavily, but I could let this either separate us or just let it go because I married her. I think it's really important to call out that it's okay to be sad about these things. You can still be sad and not let it drive you apart. And um, so Thank you for bringing that up. That's a really important point. And I'll add, I know this is unusual, but, um, you know, we had a party of, she has friends here who are, um, 
they're not no longer members and they, they had a Christmas party and I had the opportunity to go along with it. She told me other husbands go along to these things. And um, I knew there was going to be drinking there. And I was, like you said, still sad that I wasn't partaking of it, but I still was like, I made an effort not to let anything like keep us apart from that. And so, I mean, yeah, which I super appreciated because um, if, if the tables were turned and if it had been him who experienced these changes and made these decisions and I was like, super orthodox as I used to be, I would not be cool. Like I would, I would be making a huge issue of things. So like the work that he's done to get to where he is, like, I, I really appreciate it and I don't take it for granted. I, I try not to abuse it. Yeah. How about you, Astrid and, and Aaron? I'll, I'll throw it over to you. What was those beginning stages like for you? For me, it was, uh, it was difficult. I guess it, it, a lot of it happened so suddenly, uh, the faith transition was, I, for me, I felt it was kind of dropped on me like a bombshell. I didn't see it coming. Um, and this was quite recently, yeah. right? Six months, did you say? Yeah. 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 I'm really good at bottling things up and then just kind of exploding them all in one big thing. I can really, uh, it, it really caught me off guard. Like I knew... I kind of had suspicions that maybe because there wasn't so much involvement with going to church, especially with three young children, it gets quite difficult. I just, I thought that it was, you know, she was saying I can't handle going to church because I'm just not getting anything out of it. But when she said that, you know, there's a faith transition in there too, it kind of, it hit home for me. Um, I was brought up in the church um, pretty uh, pretty stalwart parents. Yeah. Uh, both have been very active. Uh, and so it was, it, it was different. Um, I just, when, when that came out, I kind of just assumed that, okay, the word of wisdom is very LDS. Um, and so with it, you know, with, with the faith transition, I just, I assumed that, uh, there would be changes when it came to that, um, alcohol, coffee especially, because um, there's not as much of a stigma around coffee. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, um, when I stopped holding Astrid to a higher standard than I would of my non-member friends and family and kind of just let that part of it go, it goes back to what I hold as one of uh, life's important principles you know god gave us the gift of agency everyone's got that freedom to make their own choices and i'm a huge respecter of that and if that's what she chooses to do then that's her choice um i've always felt that uh, with with lots of people you know if that's what they choose to do if that's how they choose to live their lives then that's up to them that it's, it's not for me to say otherwise um if i'm going to be a proper a disciple of Christ, then, you know, he teaches us to love others, you know, not don't judge them or reject them. And so as long as other people's choices aren't adversely affecting me or my family, then I don't, you know, that's, that's up to them. Yeah. I, I love what you said. I think it takes a great deal of compassion and love, like you said, in order to see your spouse for who they are. And like you said, not hold them to a higher standard and you said, you know, not treat them. Did you say treat her the same as other non-members 
Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, more or less. You know, we're around we're around people that aren't members of the church every day, right? And we're fine with them drinking. Yeah. And yeah. I think that it showed you. I don't know. You just showed a lot of emotional maturity In- is what I'm looking for. Emotional intelligence. Yeah. Right. Look a little bit there um, because it kind of blew up. We had theoretical, hypothetical conversations, and I kind of assumed. Um, I, I guess what really kind of got me thinking a bit more is uh, over the Christmas break, Astrid, we went to one of her, her work Christmas party and um, she had she had some alcohol there. And I, I wasn't expecting it. Um, we hadn't really discussed kind of when she was going to try things and all that sort of stuff. And I'd, not, I'd been noticing uh, an alcoholic bottle popping up in the recycling bin and I'm like, oh, where did that come from? Because the neighbor, of course. It's the neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a bit of a surprise. And then, you know, there's, there's bottles in the fridge and I'm starting to freak out a little bit. And so we had to have a conversation. When you were talking about respecting her agency and treating her the same as others in your life that aren't, aren't of the same faith, it reminded me of something with those that have left having to do the same at church where people that can get into that mindset of uh, these people believe differently than me and they worship differently than me. Uh, that's so hard to get to when you're a former member of the church, but it, it, that's what makes in a mixed faith marriage that can, that can really go a long way. If the post Mormon is able to go to church and treat it as these people are worshiping uh, the way that they would like to. And I'm, I don't do that anymore, but I'm here to support my family. It's really hard to do. And so what you were able to do in the same respect with the word of wisdom with Astrid is, is awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I think one of the difficult things is at least what a lot of people talk about is the fact that um, they don't want to ask permission from their spouse, but they do want to give their spouse a heads up basically. Right. right? When they, when they do go out and drink with a friend or they bring home a bottle or whatever it might be. And I know sometimes it's a surprise and sometimes, sometimes you don't know. And sometimes you talk about ahead of time. So let's get into boundaries. Did any of you talk about, or have you talked about boundaries um, surrounding your behavior changes and what does that look like for you? So let's go to the Coopers, yeah, let's go to Coopers first. <laughs> Initially, yeah, you can talk about the boundaries initially that you set, yeah. and then you can you can also yeah. say you know over time if those have changed. So um, I'll talk first in this because so I have a history um, at, with alcohol and just being a very very wild teenager for about ten years, and it it took my dad dying. A near life car accident caused by the substances and um, like a real like come to Jesus, like with my life, like it, everything was falling around, falling around, around, all around me. And, and so I had to clean my life up, you know, I really did. And so that included alcohol. I got rid of everything. I re. <laughs> baptized myself is basically what I called it. Um, I was born again, Mormon. (laughs) Can I say that? I was born again, Mormon. I I really flushed a lot of all of those behaviors down. Like I, I got rid of a lot of personality traits that I had. I got rid of a lot of habits. It was, it was a lot of stuff that I got rid of 
And so moving into his faith transition and I knew the topic of alcohol was going to come up. And I said, I don't want it around me. I don't want it in my house. If you drink it, I don't want you to kiss me. I want you to brush your teeth before you even come near me. That's how I feel about it. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And then... I don't know where that's leading. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's not taking your cue, Rachel. He's not taking your cue. He, st- he was drinking and not telling me. I mean, and that's yeah. one thing... That's one thing that I have to stress to everyone out there is don't keep it a secret. Don't keep it a secret. Like even if you're afraid that your wife or husband is going to throw a book at you or or throw the book of Mormon at you or whatever, just tell them the truth. I mean, there's it, it, the end result is a lot worse if you don't tell worse versus letting them react. I heard this on a TV show one time and I said it to Brett a million times. It was just, you told me something really heavy, dude. Let me react to it. I'm going to react. I'm going to storm out of the house. I'm going to throw something. I'm going to be really angry or I'm going to be really sad, but just let me react to it. And then we'll go from there. It may be tomorrow before we get back to it. It may be next week before we get back to it, but just let me react to it and don't go behind my back. So those were our boundaries in the beginning. I imagine going behind your back isn't something that is now allowed <laughs> with other with other things. But yeah, you know, the this is a great time to talk about making sure that you're not going behind your, your spouse's back. And there's a difference between that and asking permission. We've talked to a number of couples where uh, not going behind your back means you have to literally text message your spouse every time you're going to drink when you're on a work trip or something along those lines. And we, I, we did something like that for a while. Yeah. And I that, still that like was, that idea, but yeah. it's not a babysitting and it's not sure. a parenting. I think it's a respect thing. I saw this in a mom group the other day about something else, but for real, like it's, it's just a respect thing. We, we know we're no responsible adults, but what happens if we have a moment and you should really check in with your spouse and let them know I'm at a party or I'm at a soiree or I'm at a bar with friends or a restaurant. And you know, we are going, we're going to be drinking and I'll text you in a couple hours and let you know when I'm on the way home. What if I don't get that text in a couple hours on the way home, you know, so then I can check in. It's, it's less about parenting and more about just being mutual partners in life you know, and, right. and just knowing where each other is and, and what we're doing and are you having fun? Are you miserable? Do I need to come pick you up? You know, whatever it may be. It's, 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 yeah. I just think it's a, it's a mutual respect thing versus just babysitting or parenting. I, I, I really hope there, I think there are some couples that do that. I think it, it's a very strict, like you have to text me. But this, what I'm talking about isn't you have to text me. It's you should text me. Like you should want (laughs) to text me. You should want to let me know what you're doing and are you having fun and that kind of thing. And this is where the boundaries come in, right? It's going to look different for every couple. Um, it's not, it's not always going to look the same, you know, after, after you give it some time and you, and you trust that other person that they're not going to drive home drunk. Um, maybe you aren't checking in as much, right? So it, it just, it's so, it looks so differently for every couple. Um, Jessica and Ryan, what does what did it let that look like for you guys as far as boundaries go? I'll just start out. We've, um, 
we've always had, because Jessica likes to cook and she worked, worked in restaurants. And so we've had wine in the house, you know, for cooking food. And we also, she's made her own, um, like vanilla extract and uses it in a pie crust. It makes like an awesome pie crust, the way that it handles the dough. So we've had vodka and wine in the house. And so the kids, there wasn't anything to hide with the kids, if that makes sense. So in terms of behavior boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so having anything in the house was not an issue. Um, but in terms of like an understanding, I think we remember this Currently, I think you remember that we agreed that I would tell you anytime and I don't remember that. So I didn't do that, but, right. um, it, it came, <laughs> it came up that girl's night. Um, <laughs> we really were just going to dinner and then it turned into more and he kind of sniffed it out about halfway through the night. Like you've been gone a while. Are you, are you out drinking? Did you leave me with the kids? So you go drinking? Like, no, I went out for dinner, but yep, had a drink. So then we realized that it really is not because he cares to control my behavior, but he doesn't want to feel deceived. And I don't want to feel like I'm being sneaky. So we just kind of came to, I don't even know if it was a verbal thing, but it just felt like the right thing to do after a while to keep everybody feeling respected and understood that we would kind of communicate that now it feels a little bit tedious. Like, honestly, there's not, I don't drink very much or very often. Um, so it doesn't really feel necessary at the same time. It doesn't bother me to communicate it with him either. Yeah. And I'll add, so at the beginning too, I, I don't know why, but somehow in the mindset with, with Mormons, even, even though Alan, you talk about, we have non-member friends, you know, I'll go out on business trips, they get hard liquor drinks or wine and I'm okay with it. So I don't know why my brain has assumed that when a Mormon has a beer, it equals big drunk and on the way to jail, you know? Um, and so um, there's that initial fear. And once you're like, oh, okay, so if, when if they have a glass of wine, we're going to make it home okay. <laughs> not that she's driving, but I'm just saying, right. like, it's not the end of the world. She's not going to lose her faculties. And... Yeah, that was a whole thing to figure out, too. Um, and I did have some friends who left before me who helped me understand, like, you know, there are a lot of factors. They're sort of like drinking math, right? Like what have you had to eat? Are you drinking a lot of water? Are you doing other things? Like how fast do you metabolize things? Um, so I also was really freaked out and super, super cautious in the beginning and probably still now more cautious than your average person. Um, just because it, it's still new for me. I'm still figuring out how I feel and how it affects me. Yeah. There's a lot of fear, I think for both of us going into it, just because it's such a, it's such a change and it's so foreign to how we've lived before now. And I know that this is basically turning into an alcohol episode, <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> but with, with us, I, on a, on my birthday, March 29th, 2018, I asked Katie, as it relates to my faith transition, what are the two the top two behavioral changes you're most concerned about. And number one was alcohol. Number two was church attendance. Within a year, both of those had been done. I had stopped attending church and I was drinking alcohol, but because she was able to voice that for me and I didn't really feel like I felt like I can, this was something that I could show her that I was really in it for us. So I didn't try my first drink for a full 13 months until after that conversation. I think that was probably helpful mm -hmm. for you. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? How, what, 
what made the, what was the shift like for you, Katie, between me not drinking anything and then introducing some drinks with the first being the fireball on the trampoline? (laughs) Well, I think one, you weren't pushing for it. I mean, to be honest, if you were pushing for it and you wanted to do it, it may have sped up the process. You may have tried it earlier, but the fact that you were just willing to wait and until I was felt more comfortable with it um, was good. I think uh, like Jessica, like you said, there, you just don't know. Like there's, there's a lot of unknowns. I'm like, well, no, is one drink. Okay. Is two drinks. Okay. Um, We had a, a couple that told us, Oh, you can never mix light alcohol with dark alcohol like things that like you just would never know that we just we were like clueless about I felt like you know education was a big one for me like how do you know um what to drink and what not to drink and yeah the stigma went away after some time and I think that 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 definitely helps okay Astrid and and Aaron what about you guys with boundaries what what boundaries were set when it came to this stuff uh well when we I guess after the uh, finding it in the bin and the um, Christmas experience, we had a talk. Um, I I felt uncomfortable seeing especially open alcohol in the fridge where the kids could see it and get to it. Um, our kids are pretty adventurous. adventurous. Opportunistic. <laughs> yes, definitely opportunistic. Um, and so I was just asked if, if she could move the alcohol to uh, the fridge in the garage, which we've... Uh, deemed our, our drinks fridge. Um, and it's mostly where I keep my Coke and my ginger beer. <laughs> um, and so that Astrid was pretty happy to move it out there and other stuff is kept on the top shelf where the kids can't get to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, for boundaries for myself, um, I'm still feeding our youngest child. So I got um, I got into a bit of the science of it as to, you know, is it healthy? Is it going to have any adverse effects? So I sort of based my consumption around those boundaries. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to do anything like that. But what is the science behind behind feeding and, and alcohol? Don't quote me on it. But... I know you're not a scientist, and we can have a disclaimer, right? You know the the um... The opinions of Astrid Holland do not re- represent Mary's on the tightrope. Fair enough. Um, no, so m- my understanding is that one drink is fine. And, you know, so long as you're not being excessive regularly, you know, you'll be okay. But I guess that also depends on the individual and their sure. tolerance and all that kind of thing. But my personal boundary there is pretty much one standard drink and no more because I'm quite, um, it doesn't take much for me to feel a bit. (laughs) You know, most of the listeners listening in, we're all adults here and we're not teenagers where we don't have self-control. Like we've learned self-control at least to a degree to where we can get married. (laughs) We're all adults here. And yeah, uh, Alcohol, one thing, one good thing that I'm thankful of the church is that it's kept me away from alcohol during my teenage years. But uh, now as an adult, I do feel like I am uh, responsible. Uh, I'm not going to go overboard. I don't have a desire to go out and party like I might if I was a teenager. 
and yeah, uh, learn where my limits are at. Anyway, those are factors that are very important when, when you as a believing spouse are seeing your, uh, your spouse wanting to experiment with these things is this isn't some teenager wanting to experiment and push the limits and see how far they can get with something. No, this is people that are trying to just open up life experiences and see what else does life have to offer. It's not, it's not a adrenaline junkie kind of journey here. Yeah. And for, for me, especially, I kind of, I guess being a bit naive, I kind of freaked out a little bit because she was feeding. I had to do my own research into the, into the science and how it would affect. Um, and then in my mind, I didn't know, you know, kind of what level she was going to be trialing it or, you know, I didn't, you know, cause there's those, if, if she's never been a uh, drinker before, then, you know, how, how do you gauge when you get drunk, you know, without actually doing it? And uh, I had all this, uh, you know, all these questions and all these concerns and it, it just took a good, long conversation to try and get through it all. And I think it took me showing that I wasn't going to, you know, not going to just sit there and drink a bottle of gin and get crazy every night, you know, like I'm going to have a cider and I'm going to be sensible to kind of prove that I'm, I, I am being a responsible person about it. So, and I mean, Aaron and, and Astrid, you both, you guys have younger kids, you said, but you, so you move, but you move the alcohol to the outside fridge so that they're not like right there opening it next to the strawberries and eating and drinking at the same time. Did your kids notice a difference? Did they ask about the alcohol? Did they have any questions regarding that? They're, they're, they're pretty used to the idea of a dad drink, we call it. Um, I Energy drinks. I'm in, I, I drink far too many energy drinks. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I saw your monster. <laughs> in order to keep the kids away, we've we've said no. That's a dad drink. Or you know, my our boy, our middle boys, kind of labelled anything that dad drinks as a drink buddies. So anything in a can or a bottle becomes a. <laughs> that's great. And so he'd say, "Oh, are you having a drink buddies?" Like, yeah, yeah. And he knows that he's he doesn't get to have a drink buddies. So um, with the older one, Elise, she's pretty intelligent. We, we can be a little bit more open with her. Yeah, I mean, if the other night she asked me, um, can I have some of your drink? And well, I can't even remember what it was. I think it was gin a little bit. And she, um, yeah, I said, oh, no, that's, um, that's mum's drink. You, you can't have any. And she said, why? It's got alcohol in it. Okay. Now, now I know. As normal as possible. It's not like it doesn't need to be a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it's a thing. We deal with it, you know? Yeah. I like that you introduced it as alcohol because we haven't done that. Because, you know, we have a two and four year old and, you know, they see a drink on the table at dinner and, you know, they want to try it, of course. And we don't drink a lot of soda in the house. And so they'll say, oh, is that soda for mom or daddy? <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, but I, yeah, I like that you entered, you just went ahead and introduced it as alcohol because it's, it, it normalizes it. And I think that's one thing that I didn't have as, as a teenager going into my teenage years, alcohol was not normalized in my house. And look what happened. I went that crazy. So, you know, it, it's, I think doing those things and the same thing when you talk about sex and all the other stuff, 
to normalize it and to, and to make it a natural thing and to have those conversations earlier on, you don't have the same type of stigma around it when they do get to the teenage years and Jessica and Aaron, Aaron uh, Jessica and Ryan. Ryan. Ryan, y'all, you know, y'all are there, you know, right now with your older kids. So, you know, that, that's something that y'all could probably speak to a little bit better than, than we could as far as, you know, how to deal with those types of conversations with kids. Um, But yeah, that, that, I really like that, Astrid, that y'all introduced that. I was, I didn't mean to intercede or interject, but I was just going to say amen to what you just said about, you just have to have those conversations. I grew up, I was the only boy of, of seven kids. And oh luckily I was the oldest. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead, keep going. But I, I grew up in a, grew up very private, very, um, I didn't share anything. I didn't talk about, you know, body parts. And uh, my mom couldn't say the words, right? And um, and so um, anyway, I, did, I just say that is I, I Jessica and I had to come to that agreement where we, and I know that's not trying to change it, but I had to learn to come out of that shell and just be like, we've got to talk about all these things and be open about it. And I do think that that has helped our kids out um, a lot. I, I will say like with our older kids there, I'm not so worried about them, um, but our younger kids are like Astrid's adventurous. <laughs> and so our, our youngest one, who's five, she sees a cup that mom has and we have to actually, I'll be honest, we have to be careful. It's just, uh, she'll sneak a sip or, um, yeah. so if we pour a drink, it's gotta be like in our hand the whole time. Or So, so coming think, next. tipsy toddler coming next. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it could be a strategy to consider. I don't know. <laughs> what you're talking about though, is all the sex talks. So like we've turned full corner on that. We have all the sex talks, oh, but, but we have not talked to our kids about this. Um, partly just because, we haven't settled into where we each are yet and we don't want to um, confuse them. So both of our teenagers are on the Asperger spectrum. So change is difficult on the autism spectrum. I'm sorry. Um, Change is difficult for them. Things are the way they are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, where I've been kind of questioning, leading to doubting, leading to transitioning for 10 years, it's there just hasn't felt like the right moment to tell them anything. No, but we've been, but we've helped them understand like a person who's drinking is not an evil person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so and hypothetically. coffee is not evil. And <laughs> right. so laying so, the groundwork for when you do tell them. Yeah, yes. so we have done that, but we haven't sat them down and said, okay, there's some changes that we've made just because that, that felt a little bit more permanent, which we probably are close to that. Uh, one of you made me think about like the distinction for me between like making these choices and rebellion. Like it was never, I was never like sitting around thinking like, man, I gotta, I gotta find a reason not to believe in this. Cause I just really want to taste coffee or like, I'm just ready to get blasted one night. Like I've still never been drunk. I, I don't even love coffee, but it's a choice that I make for myself now. And it was never about rebellion and um, that's a lot easier to um, to approach as an adult than as a kid. So our oldest, who's almost 18, she still loves being a Mormon, but she has some struggles with being a Mormon. <laughs> and she, uh, she told me a couple of weeks ago, hey, mom, don't be surprised if I take a break from the church when I move out. I'm like, okay, I won't be surprised. <laughs> and then last week she said, don't be surprised if I try alcohol when I move out. Okay, I won't be surprised. <laughs> so I feel like in a way, like, 
not even having to agree, but just normalizing these behaviors in the context of just a normal human experience is important. And even if you get to that point with your kids and they see it and they know it could be healthy, it could be good to model responsible alcohol consumption for children because there's no guarantee that they're going to be Mormons, active, yeah. yet believing members. Love a lot that you just said, Jessica. Mm -hmm. um, I know I said a lot, sorry. No, I, and <laughs> I loved a lot of what I had to type up a few notes so I didn't lose track of a few things. So I, something that's super important for everyone to, to hear is that each couple is different. Mm -hmm. Your situation is different. You have two kids on the Asperger spectrum and I just fell into the same trap you did, the, the autism spectrum. And so you have to handle that situation differently than another couple that may be a little more open earlier and a little more direct uh, with, with their children. So each situation is different. And then the, the other thing, and Katie, I know you were inhaling to say something too. So if you have something to add, please, I, I love and want to give huge kudos for, you know, you're fostering this open environment mm -hmm. where your daughter feels like she is, she's safe with you to enough to come to you and, and tell you just a heads up. I may try alcohol just a heads up. I may take a break from the church. If some of the ways that even spouses can react to each other surrounding the word of wisdom of super angry and it's, look, we all have our reactions, but if we can't get past that soon enough, guess what? Your daughter's going to do those things and not tell you yeah. all, all we can, we can't control our kids. We can teach them the values that we want to teach them. And hopefully, you know, a common values podcast episode, we can look back and we can do more in the future. That's not the topic of this, but we can teach them the values. They're going to make the choices they're going to make. We have more control and control is not the right word. We have more influence, I guess, on how we foster communication. And it's so key in this topic. And um, I was going to add to that, the fact that your daughter was good enough to tell you. I mean, <laughs> I hope that is encouraging to you as well, that you could be vulnerable with her and say, actually, I, I've drunk and I've, I've tasted alcohol and I'm not in, in your own time. Right. But at least you've yeah. opened those doors and you've opened that line of communication that you can do that. Cause it, I think it's just as important, important for kids to understand parents in their own journey as well. You are not going to have the same parent that you started out with. And it's important for parents to communicate to their children their, their, their own journey because people change. It's, it's unrealistic to think that you will never change from the time you're a young mom all the way till you're a grandma. So I think, um, you're giving your kids a gift by sharing that information to them and they're, you're, they're riding along with, for the journey, right. In the way that you want them to see it. Um, Alan and I, we have, um, we have told our kids when we were in Hawaii, we all ordered specialty drinks and Alan ordered this. It was something with rum in it. I think it was at the star Wars cantina in. Oh, yeah. well we went, no, no, no. Oh, you're talking Hawaii. I'm talking about Hawaii. I'm sorry. I heard you after I said star Wars for some reason. No, no, no. Um, it was in Hawaii anyway. And I remember my son Hayden, he's 12, looked at Alan. He's like, can I, we were all tasting each other's drinks. And then Alan, and then he said, can I taste that? And Alan's like, no, no, you can't taste it. He's like, why does it have alcohol? Does it have alcohol? <laughs> and we were like, like yep. yep. It and sure he's does. Like, okay. It was like, seriously, no big deal. And I know our oldest is definitely is going to want to try alcohol because he's already expressed that. Hopefully we're, Alan is modeling good behavior to him so that he knows that there are still boundaries. There are still consequences when he goes to, to, to do that. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, 
one of the things we're kind of, we've naturally slid into the conversation about the kids, which is great, but it, it ties into those boundaries. Yeah. One of the boundaries that we didn't talk about that I set with Katie, which relates to the kids as well, is that I was not going to do anything illegal. So recreational marijuana is not legal in Utah. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, there, there are loopholes. If you think about it, there are loopholes. I travel a lot. Recreational marijuana is legal in Illinois. And I go to Illinois like twice a month, not right now because of COVID. Uh, but I promised Katie I was not going to A, do anything illegal and B, not make any behavioral changes without talking to her first. Again, not asking her permission, but without talking to her first. So I wasn't going to do recreational marijuana. It's also, you know, psychedelics is another common one that, that comes up from time to time. And uh, those are not legal yet. <laughs> and so that's something that just recently Katie and I talked about of psychedelics aren't exactly the same as maybe we thought they were. And this is, you know, something that I've thought about and we kind of had this conversation and it was moderately tense. Was it moderately tense or mildly tense? It was mildly tense. Mildly tense, that conversation. Yeah, I think I think the majority I mean maybe we can just talk about this because we've been talking so much about alcohol. Are there any other substances? I mean I I'm like okay, smoking? Does anyone oh. I just I look at it and I'm like I think across the board people know that smoking is really really bad for you, right? But uh, no judgment if you do want to try to I smoke. Know, Jessica, you had a nibble of a of a gummy, but yeah, any any others that Coffee, we know. Tea, we know. I eat meat in the summertime. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Do you use tobacco other than putting it on your cattle's bruises? <laughs> you naughty minx. Can I call someone a minx on this? I don't know. Probably not. I think that's a movie quote. You're crossing a boundary. All right. One thing I wanted to reiterate too, Katie, that you said was you mentioned, so we hear all the time that we are married to a million different, like, five or six different people throughout all the time that we're married, but we never really hear what you said about parents changing. Like I can 100% say that my parents did not change. <laughs> they probably did. Let's be honest. They probably yeah. did but from my eyes and from my point of view, they didn't. So I really think that's a really cool thing to think about as we are raising our kids in a mixed faith marriage is to let your kids know that, it's okay to change and it's okay to not be the same person today as you will be, you know, in a year or two. So I think that's a really crucial point that you made. And I think that's beautiful. And Jessica, I think that's awesome. Your relationship with your daughter, because I wish I had that relationship with my mom earlier and I have it now for the most part, except the word of wisdom thing. Um, but, <laughs> but that was hard fought that that was hard fought. Like we bought a therapist of Mercedes. Definitely. Oh, wow. Good job. <laughs> and also, I mean, along with that, thanks for, thanks for um, making note of that. But I also think too, like we make, we make mistakes as parents all the time. So call, I mean, I, I call it out. I'm, I tell my kids, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. Those I, don't, are the two I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but let's find out together. I think that that doesn't put you quite on the pedestal that they think that you are at, right? It brings you a little bit further yeah. down. You know, in mixed faith marriage, it's scary to model that it's okay to be different and it's okay to change because we're giving our kids the same permission. And that's scary on both sides. It's scary that, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Is my, you know, is my daughter going to say that she wants to try alcohol? Like, like Ryan, you're experiencing, or is my son not going to go on a mission 
you know, I'm, I'm opening the door for him to make those own, his own decisions on that. Uh, while at the same time, again, tying it back to the word of wisdom, we've, we've made it clear that we are going to obey the law. And so, yes, you can make your own choices, but you're, you're 12. You're not going to see Stephen King's it. You're not going to have a drink of dad's <laughs> Moscow mule, which if I ever come to New Zealand, I can use your ginger beer to make a mule for myself. And Or for them or for Astrid or... No, no, no. I'm selfish with my alcohol. I'm not going to share. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, I mean, it's, it's scary. It's scary to give them permission to change. Uh, but it's, yeah. it's absolutely, it's really cool to see. And it's, it's freaky when your kids come up to you and say, hey, guess what? I don't think I believe in God. And you go, Gah. and but we didn't freak out when our oldest came to us a few weeks ago and told us that. Uh, that was kind of like, a, oh, what do you think? And they're still figuring everything out. They could believe in Buddha next week. Who knows? Because kids just change constantly. We're getting a little bit off topic, though. So. Yeah, yeah. So um, Cocaine? I'm, anyone I'm... do cocaine or Stop. heroin? No? <laughs> Rachel, shut your mouth. <laughs> you guys can't see the video. She's very expressive. Uh, okay. I think this is a good, and Rachel, you're on the hot seat now, because I think this is a pretty good uh, time to switch over to the spouses that are, that are still active in the church or still hold on to some belief in the church. Um, have you experienced any word of wisdom shifts as far as your own behavioral changes? And Maybe not everybody has. And and again, I'll, I know, Rachel, it seems like you're more comfortable to talk about it first. So everyone else, meaning Aaron, Ryan, and Katie can think of how you want to answer that. But Rachel, why, why don't you talk first? Has there been any change with your own personal adherence to the word of wisdom? She's holding up her drink. What's in that glass? So, so yeah. So like I kind of said earlier, going back to the word of wisdom or in like NDNC and doing that history work and, and that was only part of it. Another part was, I also mentioned earlier that when I deconstructed my teenage decade of debauchery, I also deconstructed a lot of who I was as a person. Like I was always known as hippie Rach always. I was hippie rage and I completely lost that like 100%. So the music that I would listen to, the clothes, I actually threw out, threw out a ton of clothes, movies, like vinyl records from the sixties. I threw, I mean, there was so much stuff that I got rid of and it makes me sick to think of now. But one thing that I, that I saw in Brett was that when, when he was at part, when we were like at a social event or after a long day of work and he'd have a drink, it really took, he, he's prone to anxiety. So, you know, he would have that one drink and it would just, it would just level him out like 100%. It would just level him out. He'd become more talkative, which, you know, Brett, he's not really talkative. I am. Um, and so one drink can make him more talkative and more social. And that was when I started seeing that I was like, well, he gets to live freely he has free agency. I mean, we all have free agency, right? But I, I, you know, when I really connected that with him, he really did. He was really making choices for himself and he was really choosing and not like, you know, being an active member and, and not drinking and making those decisions. You, you're doing it for yourself for the most part. But I think, you know, living, witnessing the changes that I saw in Brett really made me 
kind of want it too, you know, I, I, and then wanting it, I had to shove down a lot of other stuff that I had to deal with too. And the fact that I called myself an alcoholic for 10 years, for the past 10 years, I've called myself an addict. Right. And so I had to do, I had to do a lot of life coaching and therapy and soul searching and stuff to kind of deconstruct that. It was actually something Cameron said in a Facebook post one time, he was like, he, he had mentioned it that maybe it's not as bad as you think it is or something like that. I can't remember, but it was back in like last February when he said it, but it was a while ago and that kind of hit me and I kind of went back to that and I don't know, it just kind of one thing after another, it didn't happen overnight. You know, this has probably been going on for a year of the research about the word of wisdom, the kind of deconstructing of my past and accepting that I'm an adult now and I'm different. And then kind of just wanting to live my own life, you know, and live how and make the own, my own choices. And I, I'll, I'll admit, I've kind of thought to myself, maybe this is just a phase, <laughs> you know, maybe I just kind of wanted to get it out of my system as an adult and prove that I can be responsible with it. Um, and it's something that Brett and I can share together. That's another thing. Like we can share these experiences together. Oh, you've never had whiskey. Let me introduce that to you. Oh, you've never had a tequila sunrise. Let me introduce that to you. Cause remember, I know all these drinks and I'm very, I'm very familiar with everything. And so he's not. So, you know, it, it's, it's been cool to be able to experience that together. Um, and I know a lot of people are probably rolling their eyes out there and thinking this is crazy. She's a Jack Mormon, but honestly, like, I read the Book of Mormon today. Like, I still believe in the church. I still believe in the gospel. I I still believe in Joseph Smith. I know he did some things, but I still believe that he was a prophet. And, and, you know, I I just, yeah, I I know it's a really weird spot that I'm in. And I I don't know if there's anybody else out there that's kind of in the same spot as me, but I I still like church. I still like singing the hymns. I still like lullabying my two-year-old to sleep at night to hymns. You know, it's something I cry when I listen to hymns. Still, it, it bring I, I I'm really connected to music, and it, I I'm I get strengthened spiritually through music. And you know, I still value the church. I still value a lot of the really good things, but the word of wisdom. It's just something that has always, it's even in my patriarchal blessing, y'all, that I would have a problem with the word of wisdom. I'm just saying. So you're just fulfilling literal prophecy at this point. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Sorry, I I had to. I had to. So no, Rachel, thank you for sharing all that. And there's honestly, you have nothing, and I know you're not quite apologizing. You have nothing to be ashamed of or apologize for because that's why we asked everybody to be here because we want to show everyone that Mixed faith marriage and word of wisdom, those two things together look very different for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Aaron, let's go to you. What about the word of wisdom for you? Um, how are you currently handling that personally? I, not really much has changed in my word of mm-hmm. wisdom. Behaviors. Um, I've got my own vices like energy drinks and other things that, I, uh, aren't, that aren't healthy that I should be working on. Sure. Um, and so... You know, I mean, I've, I've tried things when I was younger. Um, I experimented as a teenager, nothing major. Um, 
but I was able to decide what I liked and didn't like and what I wanted to do and didn't want to do. Um, I can say for certain I, I don't like coffee um, and it's not just because of a sip. I've, I've tried to have it on multiple occasions. I just don't like the taste or the smell. I'm good without it. <laughs> um, I, I kind of, I grew up doing maintenance jobs through, um, through the breweries um, as a teenager and in my early twenties. Um, the smell from the, the broken bottles from the old beer, it, it smelled like exactly what it tasted like to me and yeah. I didn't it at all. <laughs> so I've kind of steered clear, made my own decisions and I'm very much, if, if I like the taste of it, then I'm going to give it a go and, and, and have it. Um, it just so happens that a lot of alcohol I don't like. And when it comes to, uh, you know, I personally believe that marijuana has medicinal properties and, you know, while it's not legal here in New Zealand just yet, um, you know, it, it should be treated like any other prescription medication that's been, you know, prescribed by your doctor for a certain use. And if the doctor prescribed it to me for a condition, I'd definitely consider using it. So just, yeah. you know, I'm pretty, pretty open. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty rigid in some areas and that's just my choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Your choice. I've tried beers. I've tried four or five different beers. I haven't liked any of them. So yeah, I mean, same thing yeah. as far as beer goes. Ryan, how about you, my friend? So Aaron said this earlier and I, I think it's funny. Like, um, you know, I, I have friends who are, are Hindu and, you know, there are the, the, there's like different levels of, of their adherence to it. And they're okay with that. You know, there's the true, you know, I don't eat any meat. And then I have the person to the left who's same religion, but they're of the nuance. Oh, I just, I can't eat, you know, we, we have Jewish friends, strict Orthodox. And then we have the, you know, <laughs> the ones who live a freer lifestyle and it's, it's okay and accepted in their cultures. Um, I have friends who are Muslim, same thing. It's just for some reason with Mormon, you're either, there's like this this one line you're either following the word of wisdom and if you're not you're not a mormon it it feels like to me um but i'm still a believer i believe it has changed me as jessica looked at it and i did look into the you know i I guess i got to hear more of the stories looked into on my own researching some of the things and um and, and learned more about it um and i would say 20 years ago um i i have narcolepsy and um, ADHD. And so I, I'm prescribed stimulants, right? And so, um, because of the, my sleep problems, I'll get fatigued during the day and all my life have drinking caffeinated sodas. Um, and eventually went up to the, you know, drinking monsters, <laughs> another, a lot of monsters and energy drinks just to stay awake and, and be able to be, be active. And, um, I went to my doctor this last time and I was just talking with her about what I was drinking. She was like, you can't do that. (laughs) You're on your way to a heart attack. And she says, so she actually prescribed me to either drink. um, And she says, if you're going to drink coffee, it has to be, you know, don't fill it full of sugar because that's another thing that, you know, you're just going to turn into a diabetic if you do or or drink tea. Um, And so it's, it's interesting that, you know, under a doctor's advice, I'm being given this alternative. 
Um, and this came right when I had a couple months after I had started making some changes. So it was like, right. oh, wow, what timing? But I, like I said, 20 years ago, I, I can tell you that I did have a priesthood advisor challenge. Why should I listen to a doctor when the God has said, this is a bad thing for me. Right. I'm just saying like, there was that, that was that advice given to me and I would have followed that and could have been on, on a path towards a heart attack. Whereas now I'm understanding better and things were. I think you have to be willing to like stand in your own personal autonomy and authority, which is not necessarily always an orthodox view when it comes to things like word of wisdom, some other things. So it feels a little bit risky to say, this is the standard and I've agreed to follow this, but I also am living my own life and I answer to my own God. And, you know, I, I think, I think where, where individual circumstances vary when I, when I did believe in and was nuancing on certain things, I came to the point where I thought that approaching all of these things really, really rigidly and from fear, for me, it was from fear. I was afraid to change was really antithetical to the idea of the atonement. So for me, I thought if I'm being led to a certain place, that's maybe a little unorthodox and I feel like I should make a change or try something, but it feels scary to me doing it anyway is really having a different kind of faith. And if it doesn't feel right, then that's what the atonement is for. And, and, and Aaron, I, that, that flavor, uh, is it the pipeline one that I'm mean, going to tell you, like, I'm not shaming you keep drinking them. It's just for me because of the medications I'm taking, I've had to make the alternative decision. So that's my favorite. My favorite too. And, and medication is what got me onto them in the first place. I slipped a disc in my back a few years ago and, uh, some of the medication that they had me on just completely wiped me out. I felt like a zombie. I sleep through my alarms in the morning. And so I got into it because I needed to act like a human and function like a human again. So just something I haven't been able to kick yet. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree with the, um, the choice, you know, what Aaron and Ryan and Jessica y'all said was it's your choice. I saw this in a group as well some earlier this week that someone was afraid. I think it was a transitioning wife and she was afraid that, you know, her husband, she was afraid that her husband was going to follow in her footsteps, right? And it was going to be her fault that he was following in her footsteps. But I will say like, from my perspective of things that these are my choices that I've made and I feel okay with them. I didn't feel okay with them really like in the beginning um, because there was a lot of stuff I had to unpack, but I'm okay with it. Like these are my choices that I'm making. I feel responsible about them. And I feel even closer to Brett now than I have in a long time. Yeah, and I kind of want to add my thoughts as the transition Mormon with the spouse that's, I don't know what what you would call it. uh, Wonderful. Shifting shifting paradigm. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah, what? Wonderful. (laughs) There's a shifting paradigm on this particular issue. When I was first starting to drink around her, she would help guide, support. She has prior experience with it, that kind of thing. She was very helpful with me. But uh, when it was her turn, when when she started transitioning herself, uh, I felt like I didn't want to impede on that transition. I didn't want to push that limit. I didn't want to be that guy that was like, you know, left the church and he's 
pushing his spouse to, to, to the limits. So every step that she had, I was always, I guess you could say cautious and asking her questions like, are you sure you want to do this? Is this, you know, I don't want you to push. I don't want you to feel like you're, you're overstepping these, ba- these boundaries that uh, you've set up for yourself. Especially with my past. So yeah, like um, be respectful with your spouse's journey and it goes both ways. But, um, but uh, as Rachel being the believing spouse and knowing that there are, there may be consequences with her decisions, I don't want to push her beyond a certain limit that would make her feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's great advice. Let her journey be hers. Katie, how about you? As far as your own personal word of wisdom adherence? I don't know. I don't like the smell of coffee. Like, I know that you've always loved the smell of like I've always Starbucks loved the smell of coffee. And... I've always ordered coffee ice cream growing up. I I love that smell and taste. Yeah, I just it's not it's not for me. I don't like that. I have no desire to smoke or vape or anything. I think the I think what for what it boils down for me is that I don't like to feel not in control of myself. And I'm not saying that like I would have to, you know, drink multiple drinks at a time or anything. That's that's not it either. Um, I just like knowing what I'm putting in my body and like feeling good about it. I just, I haven't done it and I haven't really had any desire to because I just, it's, I just don't even feel like it's for me. And I mean, like I've been put on heavy painkillers and uh, I mean, I, I never took them. I don't even like taking like ibuprofen or Tylenol. Um, that's like how much I do not like taking things. I'd rather do like... I don't know. I, I just, that's just not, it's just my personality. I think for that reason. And even like monsters, I can't, I can't drink those. The hardest thing for me is drinking like a diet Dr. Pepper, like right before bedtime. Cause I will be up all night long. <laughs> so I, I just like, and that bothers me too, because I can't, I can't go to sleep. And again, that's a control thing. So, um, I'm a fairly, very extroverted person. I have no idea what alcohol would do to me. I don't know if it would make me like more or less or mean or more happy. I don't know. Maybe I would like be less, less intense. Wonderful either way. I don't, I don't know. I just think like for me, for me and like knowing myself, it is just for me isn't isn't a thing. And I'm just, I don't really have a desire to do it, but I don't, I also don't think poorly of anyone else that wants to, that's their decision. And that's what the decision you get to make. That's the beauty of all of this. Right. Do you want to let everybody know about your meth problem? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you talking about my swig problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I get those two confused. Meth and, and swig. swig flavored diet. Dr. Pepper. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you, everybody. Just be careful. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, everybody, for for joining. We're just about out of time now, but what we'd love to do is just throw it around the circle one more time and just see if you have any last words of advice for those that are listening that that hasn't come up in the natural uh, course of the conversation. Uh, Let's let's start with the Hollands first, Aaron and Astrid. Anything that um, you'd like to leave with our listeners? Uh, Just be respectful for your spouse, you know, it's, they're, they're having a hard time too. <laughs> you know, you're having a hard time. They're having a hard time. Be mindful. You know, why are you married in the first place? 
Yeah, I guess don't be a jerk. Be humble. <laughs> be, be open and be willing to listen. About it for me. Yeah, that covers it, I think. Yeah. You're on the same page with that. Don't be a jerk. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. How about the Magnusons, Jessica, Ryan, what, what do you think? Any, any last words of advice for, uh, for those listening in? I just think it's, it's about communication and respect. I mean, in a marriage, there are two separate people who make a choice to join together. So when one spouse changes, I, I had some guilt and a lot of sadness because I knew I was changing um, the premise, right? Like we both went in with the premise that we would be Mormon together and the temple was the center of our um, all of our marriage goals and all these things. So I had a lot of sadness about changing that. Um, like my choices changed a lot of things that he couldn't control. And um, it took, a, it takes a lot for the believing spouse to be able to not view the changing spouse from a one up position. And at the same time, I have struggled to be like, Oh yeah, well, Joseph Smith had 40 something wives. So I get to be one up because you believe something's dumb, you know, like, so I, it really is about like communicating and maintaining respect, no matter what he doesn't get to be above me because he stayed true to the faith. And I don't get to be above him because I'm now suddenly enlightened. So when we can just see each other as separate people who get to make choices, one of those choices is staying together and loving each other. It, it works for us and it, it doesn't require either of us to, to change for the other. Oh, that was wonderful. Ryan, top that. I dare you. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, man. Anything you'd like to add, Ryan? Just really, that was great. Thank you. Any, yeah. Anything else, Ryan? Yeah, I guess that I was just, to me, it's always been the message about just going on the journey together. Again, not that I had to, you know, believe everything she did, but that I was with her and by her side. That's just, if I, if, if any, if other people would have that mentality, I think it would be be easier. Um, And that everybody's situation is different. Um, I think communication, um, which we've discussed before is just don't, don't try to do anything in secret, but just communicate and may take patience, but just be willing to communicate and say, Hey, this is what's going on. Love it. Love it. Cooper's. Take us home. Take us home. Yeah. What advice do you have for, for all the tight ropers out there as they're so affectionately called? I thought that came to my mind. Uh, many things in life uh, come out much easier if you're proactive versus reactive. And uh, what, you, what we are just coming off of communication, that is definitely one thing that you should be proactive on. Talk about it beforehand. Uh, I love what Rachel said earlier about um, allow your spouse to react. So yes, be proactive about it. And, and the reason why it's so difficult to be proactive is because you fear, how's, this, how's my wife, how's my husband going to react to this? But allow them to react because y'all are married and you're going to be fine. It may take a day or two for those emotions to subside, but now the thought's been out there and some processing has happened and you're able to work together to come to some sort of middle ground on it. So yes, try and be proactive on it, especially when it comes to communication. So one big thing about being Mormon is, is a lot of times we don't date very long. We get married young and 
so, and that was our situation. We dated for date. We were dating and engaged for less than five months when we got married. So, and then Brett's faith transition started happening within what two years. So it was super fresh and we were still kind of in like the get to know you phase of marriage. And then all of this happens. You kind of see raw emotion that you don't, that you in the honeymoon phase and in the dating phase, you're not going to see that side of your spouse, at least in our situation. He didn't see that side. My, my dad comes out of me (laughs) and who had a very heavy temper. And so when he first told me, I stormed out of the house, I stormed out of the house and it took him up until now. No, I'm just kidding. Up until just a second ago, you know, it took up until probably a year ago for him to really accept that that was my reaction I had it and I can move past it. You have to communicate, you know, you know, hire a therapist, hire a life coach, you know, do whatever you can. If you can't do it yourself, find help and communicate with your spouse. That was one thing I, I almost broke up with Brett when we were dating because we were such bad communicators with each other. So (laughs) you can tell how much it would be like when we're actually married and going through this, it was very difficult. So, and we did get a lot of help and, and it's, it's changed a lot and I appreciate where we're at now and we've grown a lot as individuals, but we've grown a lot as a couple and there is, I say it all the time, there is hope for a mixed faith marriage. We are an example of that and, and the other couples here are an example of that as well. Great advice, communication. If you think you're doing well, you need to double down your efforts and do more because you're probably not doing as much of it as as you should be. Thank you all three couples for being here. I think that it was such a great um, array of opinions and examples and stories. And I know that your stories will resonate with someone listening. And so we're super grateful that you would come on and take the time to do this. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Marriage on a Tightrope. Thank you so much for listening. Go to our, what do we say at the end of these? If you want to send an email to share your story, they know with how to wisdom, contact you us. can reach out to us on marriageonatightrope at gmail.com. If you want to join in the fun conversation on the Word of Wisdom, you can go to our Facebook group. Also follow us on Instagram. We hope to see you on the next episode and we'll talk to you soon. We're going to see that it was better. That we grew up together Tell me you don't want to leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go